0: We are back again. This is Atlanta Discuss. I'm still your host and moderator. My name is Ade Balogun. Yes, we're back. We're back. We're back to the seven billion people in the seven continents of the world, Antarctica, Australia, Asia, Africa, North America, South America. You know, we always come every week with a very, very interesting topic. Today, we are leaving Nigeria today, but we're still in Africa. We're going to Congo Democratic Republic. And we have a guest from Congo You know, Congo, Kinshasa, that's different from Congo, Brazzaville, former Zaire. That's where we are today. We're talking about failure of leadership in Africa, a Congolese perspective. Congo, former Zaire, as you know, has been bedeviled with a lot of war. They've gone through a genocide. They've lost uh, leaders in power about one, two, or three, or thereabouts. There's a a country that is blessed with almost every mineral resources known to man. But the country has refused to rise above, you know, and live up to the billing or the expectation or to the potential that it carries. So today we have with us a fantastic guest, also an everyday scholar, a teacher, a humanist, you know, a human rights activist, like I said, educator and Pan-African humanist. His name is Jean Boassa. Jean boissa welcome to Atlantic Discourse.
1: Good afternoon, good morning, uh, depending on the viewers, uh, a day, uh, and I'm so happy to be here on this platform and to share conversation in uh, the way Africans used to do, so
0: under the palava tree,
1: which is now
0: virtual. <laughs> Fantastic, John. As you know, as uh, let me also say that John is the founder and chairman of the Right to Leave uh for africa you know this is an ngo for uh refugees from congo who live in south africa John is also based in Johannesburg. so like i said he's a teacher and he has a lot to share with him. i've listened to him i've listened to a lot of things that i said which is why if it's a billion of the kind of things we want he's true to power and has a fantastic uh resume you know because of what the job he has done in the past so, John, let's go for the jugular. I mean, like what we do here, we have a tradition of going for the jugular. And to those that listen to us for the first time at Atlanta, Discourse, we try to disseminate positive news in the world filled with very bad news. We give a voice to the on-air. We balance the information, equation, and we just search for the facts, wherever it leads us, irrespective of where it is. So, John, why has Congo refused to be stable, you know? Congo, your country, Congo, Kinshasa, is the size of uh, Western Europe. It's a very big, 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 very, very big country. Why is it still crawling? Like I said earlier, Congo, former Zaire, has almost every mineral resources known to man. From the day it got independent, it has never known peace. What is happening? Tell us, can you give us a foundation of why Congo is still crawling? Over to you, John.
1: Uh, thanks so much. And uh, I'd like to take on this question about why has Congo refused to, to rise up? Uh, and the question would be whether it is Congo that has refused to, to rise up or other. There are dark forces that are still maintaining the Congo into what it is today. And first, and I might say, people would say Congo with C, or the letter C. But let's try to come to the origins of Congo. Congo with the letter K instead of C, which is a colonial letter, means God. So the meaning of Congo itself means God. So there are many tribes in the Congo, like the Abangombe. They call Congo when they are praying spiritually, they say, a Congo, they refer to God. Congo is also the land of the beginning. Hence you refer to the mineral resources that are plenty uh, that are being found in the Congo and some of them are not even in the periodical table. So I would like to put this in perspective so that you understand the reason for which Congo has been going on uh, through violence since the time immemorial. So Congo meaning God is actually the land where God started the creation. People might differ with my understanding, but that is how I see things. Now, when God had his, uh, had his little nap to rest after the creation, everything that he was left with, he threw it and he threw it and everything fell into the Congo because Congo, again, it's a cuvette, it's a hole. And once with the pool of attraction, Everything went into the Congo, even minerals, even plants, even animals that do not exist elsewhere are in the Congo. I will name just one the Okapi. So the, that animal, once upon a time, they tried to export it in the U.S. during Mobutu time. It did not survive because it depends on the ecosystem that is prevalent in the Congo and nowhere else in the world. So. Now, it is not the Congo that is refusing to rise up, but it is the people that are benefiting from the Congo, that are maintaining it under its grip and ensuring since the 1885, I'm jumping a little bit, since 1885, so 1884, 1885, we know what it is. It is the Berlin Conference called the Berlin Conference, but in actual fact, that is what they call Das Congo Conference and Berliner. So the Congo Conference in Berlin, which had the purpose and the goals of uh, exploiting not only the Congo uh, Basin, but also the Niger Basin, the water, so that people would be able to take the minerals and the wealth and the riches they were finding in this region in Africa and export elsewhere in the world. So, and in order to do so, it is important that you use the people and the people, the human capital. When they use the human capital, they divide them into the tribes, they divide them into ethnicity, they divide them even in uh, uh, provinces and regionalism to such an extent that the imperialism charter, of which I'm sure you know, which has got the preamble divided to rule, divided to conquer, prevails in the Congo until now.
0: Interesting. So let me put this to you. Congo is well over 60 years old, you know, and uh, a 60 year old person by any standard is not a young person. Um, he probably gonna be a grandmother or grandfather or thereabout you know, depending on the sex of the person. So my question to you is this, is it fair to still blame whatever Congo or any African country is going, especially any African country that is struggling, is it fair to blame whatever they're going through on still colonialism? Because from what you're saying, you're still blaming Belgium. You you didn't call it, but that's what I, you can deduct from, that's my inference from what you're saying. So is it fair, you've had four or five leaders from inception the very first one, I think Lumumba was assassinated or killed. You know, depends on whose who's, uh, what perspective you are looking at. So, is it fair to say blame colonialism?
1: Well, in I would respond to this question in double fold, in two folds. Uh-huh. Yes, in a way, and no, in another way. As you alluded to, sixty years, you would get grandfather. That's true, you, if you uh, were married around the 20, 20 years old and so on and so forth. But the bottom of the matter is the fact that within those 20 years, those 60 years, we have been going through what we call neocolonialism. Because in actual fact, in the case of the Congo, they have never let it go. The colonial powers, and while I refer to the Berlin conference, 14 countries, 14 families gathered at that Berlin conference. And they split between inverted comma, Africa. But the main goal was how do we inherit? How do we get the wealth that is in the Congo and share among us. So for them to do that, the Belgian mainly who were the caretaker, because Belgium was the caretaker of uh, the wealth of Congo. They never educated the Congolese people. There was no education in terms of politics, in terms of philosophy, in terms of uh, sciences where we would have people that would be able to take leadership after what we call independence in the 1960s. So 64 years later, because we're going for 64 years later, the Congolese people, the Congolese citizens, haven't yet understood that it is very important for them to unite and come together, find a solution for the the country, so that with the potential that God bequeathed us, we would be able to leverage the change and the dignity, not only of the Congolese, but also of the African child. Because remember my brother Ade, If I remember correctly, and this can be found in a book called White Malice, written by Susan Williams, in the United States there. In that book, when they refer to it, Nkwame Nkrumah, who was the former and the first Black African president of Ghana, his intention was to put the capital of Africa, in Kinshasa. Hence, the same Kwame Nkrumah helped at that time during uh, the independence Congo to rise above the mediocrity that is prevailing today. Unfortunately, we know what happened. Lumumba was assassinated, and Kwame Nkrumah was toppled and went to become a a co-president in Guinea. Thank you for that brotherhood from the Secu president. We hope to see that to happen today because today it is not happening in Africa. Today we are divided and some countries uh, in Africa are playing the role that the colonizers played yesterday. So they are proxy uh, imperialists today to... Uh, undermine the development of other countries. So in a way, Congo is uh, should not be blaming uh, uh, colonization, but on the other end, it should take on what colonization be us as to develop. For me, in one of the writing that I did, I believe Congo is still two or three, or even less, six months old, where the child is trying to walk and it would fall, rise, help by the parents, and then move forward. That's where I see the age of the Congo today, nothing else.
0: Interesting. I mean, uh, I like the fact that you take it from two perspectives that the, the Belgians did you not know, educate the Congolese well enough, but sixty over 60 years down the line, Congo must have uh, the Congo elite, the intelligentsia, will have grabbed a lot of knowledge and leadership. But let's look at this. You had the five leaders since independence. Patrice Emery Lumumba, very popular. You have uh, the one they call Mobutu Sese Kukumbendu Wazabanga. And former Joseph Desire Mobutu is late now. You have the first, the older Kabila, the younger Kabila. And now you have Etienne uh, Shekendi. I've spoken to a lot of people that, that are in government in, in uh, Congo, and they are saying that, look, uh, most of these people outside the country that criticize it, they don't know what they're talking about. The Chinese people that are close to the younger Kabila, they said under the younger Kabila that the country, they developed the country, the GDP, the GMP, everything grew, the uh, the mining company made more money on like under Mobutu, they even claimed claim that, look, since Kabila Jr came in the elections, that after all, they've transited from one president to another, another party to the other, that things were really damaged under Mobutu, that it's not gonna be easy to, you know, fix and all that. So you've had this leader just about five in or Why do you think the country is still crawling if people close to okay, the Kabila Jr. think they've done a lot already?
1: Well, uh, you call them leaders, I'm calling them misleaders except Patrice Emery Lumumba. And we must understand that Patrice Emery Lumumba was not the president of the Congo, but rather, who was the prime minister of the Congo. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Patrice Emery Lumumba, what he did, he did a plan for the development of the Congo. Often, in some of the interviews that I have heard, uh, is to highlight the fact that they tend to think that Patrice Emery Lumumba was against the colonizers. On the contrary, they only take one portion, one part of his speech at the independence uh, inauguration, but they don't take the second part where he was willing to work with uh, colonizers that were for the betterment of the lives of the Congolese. Hence, he got killed. He got assassinated. And his plan of action that you put in perspective, it's actually the plan that Botswana has been using for the past uh, decades. Because his friend was, Patrice Emery Lumumba's friend, was the president of Botswana, Nzinga Dabuta. So the president of the parliament. And they put that in in place and they are using it. And Botswana today... Is a stable country. I would not know if Patrice Emery Lumumba had outlived what he would have been as a leader. But the fact of the matter, they killed him, so we would not know. You and I here can have a palaver about that. We would not know. Now coming up to the four other leaders, misleaders. On my perspective, the four other misleaders. Starting with Mobutu, we must know that Mobutu was uh, a an agent of imperialism, along with uh, Etienne Chisekedi, Nendaka, uh, Bomboko, Ileo, Adula. If you read some of these books, they will tell you that they were already bought by the mafia, the international mafia, on how to get their money, embezzle embezzle the fund of the state, while the people will remain into poverty. So during Mobutu time, he created what we call uh, two classes, the middle middle class and the most vulnerable people. And during that time, his family, nepotism, became richer than everybody else in the country, to such an extent that he opposed people from one province to the other. So that was Mobutu. Now, came Laurent Désiré Kabila. Laurent Désiré Kabila, uh, who chased Mobutu along with the coalition of the Rwandan Tutsi people, we will allude to that, was a nationalist. Indeed, he tried to get other nations, Rwanda, Uganda, um, Eritrea, to come and help him to overpower Mobutu and he did so successfully, but he didn't understand what were behind the mindset of the people that he he brought in the country. So, and he got assassinated by his uh, friends, the Rwandan Tutsi people. And his so called son, because it's important that we put that in perspective, I usually allude to the fact that Joseph Kabila was not his son. It is his adopted son. In the same way, if we go into the history of the world, the universal history, we will see that Brutus was not the true son of Emperor Kesa. He was an adopted son. Etu kokwe filimi, do we say? He also killed his father and so did Joseph Kabila, who is a Tutsi from Rwanda. In some of the instances when I... Do you have a question on that? No, no, I'm surprised. I'm hearing that for the first time. Mm
0: -hmm. Go
1: ahead. Well, that's one of the reasons for the likes of us are not living in our own country where we have been uh, chased and uh, out, outcasted from our country. Uh, so, and, uh, in, in, in a history that I was telling a friend of mine with whom I worked as a, an interpreter and translator for Times Magazine in 1997, during the overthrowing of Mobutu, there were two Kabila, two Kabila after Laurent Desiré Kabila. Joseph Kabila, one, and Joseph Kabila, two. And these people don't understand that. And a scholar uh, who was a journalist during Mobutu time is actually repeating the same story that I'm going to tell you now. Joseph Kabila one was uh, killed by his uh, uh, uncle in 2009. The other scholar is speaking about 2008, but I always refer to that in 2009, just because prior to the election uh, of 2011, So And they replaced him by the current Joseph Kabila who bequeathed the power to Félix Tshisekedi. Félix Tshisekedi, the son of Etienne Tshisekedi, who was supposedly the opposition leader to Mobutu. But I always ask myself, in which way was he the opposition leader? Because he he belonged to the aristocracy, He he belonged to what we call the bourgeoisie compradore he was among them and he ate with them. It's only a way uh, to, uh, how do I put it? To bring a veil into the faces of the masses. Because I must remember, every single foreign important guest that went into Zaire or in the Congo, when he visited Mobutu or visited Laurent Desire Kabila, in the evening he was visiting uh, Etienne Chisekedi. So in actual fact, the only power that we have, the opposition are the people of the country that are suffering, that live below the index of one dollar, and the elite that is today, Felix Chisekedi, who comes from that bourgeoisie compradore, whom it is said that he had a deal in twenty eleven to accept to ascend to power. And today, we know what happened to the election in 2023. 20, elections were cheated. And that asked my question. How is that possible? He could have been elected normally with 35% of 50%, but he got 73% just because he wants to maintain the grip into power so that he's going to embezzle the fund, he's going to misappropriate the fund, and the people will remain into poverty. This is your question, responding to your question. We are calling because we don't have true leadership. The true leadership is not there because the education of the masses, the education of
0: leadership of the leaders is not there. Interesting. So, are you saying that if, for example, Patrice Mary Lumumba was not killed or assassinated, so to say, the so Democratic Republic would be better off? Is that what you think?
1: That's what I think. Uh, it would have been in the same line like John Pombe Magufuli. We saw what John Pombe Magufuli did in five years' time. It would have been in the same line with uh, Thomas Sankara. It would have been in the same line with uh, Muammar Gaddafi. And we know exactly the people that I'm naming what happened to them because they wanted to develop their country as well as their people. Yes, indeed, they committed some atrocities, but not at the level of maintaining their people and their poverty. They tried by their means, to ensure that in each and every chart of this African continent has the basic minimum to live, not to survive, because today it is the survival of the fittest in most African countries.
0: Yeah, I also noticed that, I mean, you are in Jogo, clearly. Are you like on exile, or you were driven out of uh, Congo for criticizing the government, or you left Congo on your own free will?
1: I don't think that I left Congo on my
0: own free will. In
1: 1998, on the 2nd August, the 140, three minutes and 37 my house was bombed. You can see I'm telling the story. In Congo, in Kinshasa, in the capital of Kinshasa. That was the beginning of what we call the Africa War, where 14 African countries were involved into the war. Some uh, that were uh, allied to uh, Laurent-Désiré Kabila and many that were against uh, Laurent-Désiré Kabila, we mean Rwanda, Uganda, Eritrea. So the Nihilistic countries hmm. were against uh, one two, uh, people country that were defending Laurent-Désiré Kabila. So from that time, I went into hiding in my country, mainly in my village, until I came to Kinshasa two months after uh, I left the country and I came to South Africa. And while living in South Africa for the past few years, I don't, even have, I don't even have a name for to say or an identification that would say, this is Jean Boissa. This is the number of identification. So in uh, 2018, I conducted a project called In Another Prison. I call myself uh, living in an open-air prison. So that's where I live. Eventually, I'm outspoken. I've got lawyers that are there to look after me just in case anything uh, drastic would happen to me. So I'm, I'm in exile, incognito, but also An open person.
0: Interesting. You know, I also found out when I was going through your profile that you are founder and chairman of Right to Leave Africa, and I also do a lot to help other asylees and refugees. You know, so my question really is that I understand there are people leaving Congo every day, even till today. You know, there is a war brewing, most likely between Rwanda and Congo. Mm We'll go to that later, but like. The question is, how many? What's the number of refugees that come out of Congo daily? Because a lot of us are not aware. Like, do you have a rough estimate?
1: Well, um, well, in South Africa, it's a bit uh, a contention here because mm. the power speaks. Of millions of uh, people that live in as refugees here, uh, but for me, from my understanding, and I'm going to take this from a ratio due to the fact of the work that I do. Um, in, there was a xenophobic attack in uh, in in one province, northwest province in Zirest And I was called at night at midnight, and they say they're going to burn some of your countrymen here. Uh, and I said, okay, right. Well, how do I do that? So I had to travel at night, midnight, and I arrived there. Surprisingly enough, what I saw there, It's a community, mainly most of them were coming from the eastern side of the Congo where there is war. They speak Swahili. Eventually what I did that time, I went with a young man who usually helped me in my organization who speaks Swahili. Otherwise there would have been a problem with translation and understanding them. Just in that small city, I had 350 families living there, 350 families living there. And when I did the census of this family, I came across 2,000 Congolese souls living in a small area. So if I project that in terms of a sample, we could be between 700,000 and 1 million Congolese living in South Africa, either as migrants or asylum seekers or refugees. It might be less, but for me, that's my estimate. Uh, I know that the Home Affairs would bring it down uh, because uh, the first uh, refugees that are here are mainly Zimbabwean, and then you've got people from Somalia, Ethiopia, and so on. But this is my estimate for the Congolese people, of which many of these Congolese have had an asylum seeker paper for 15, 10, 5 years against the law, which says after one 108 days, you should be declared a refugee or not. But the reason is they want people to remain um, stateless in such a way that uh, you are you are not able to live you are actually a zombie on this planet uh, earth so these people uh, children are able to study given the progressive uh, constitution of south africa Uh, education is scattered for everyone Uh, however when it comes to hospital the laws have changed now they Refugees and uh, asylum seekers now need to pay to go to the hospitals, and that is becoming more and more a problem. And also, when you are in asylum seeker, of which I'm not, I don't know who I am, you must go to home affairs after every three months or six months to renew your paper. If you don't have a paper, you are being arrested, thrown into jail, and sometimes deported. And that is the prevalent. Situation of many Congolese, not only in South Africa, but in many countries worldwide, where Congolese are just slaves or victims of modern slavery. That's how I would put it. And we must understand that what Rwanda has done is to portray its genocide and the Congolese. Je- genocide which I termed and I call Congocide it is overlooked Congocide because they co- they kill the Congo in silence and they bury them in silence and they forget about them in silence so it's the eradication and extermination of the Congolese people in silence. So 12 million people in Congo Bantu people have been killed since 1994. It could be even more because there's no statistics. But if we go into uh, the document that uh, the UN did in 2010, from 1997 to 2010, the UN was amounting to 6 million people. But now we can take from 2010 to today. I think it should be more. So, and this Congress side, Could be we can also tap the children that uh, can't go to school because they become minor or children soldier and they are um, around about 1.5 million we can also tap onto internal displacement of Congolese within the Congo oh, wow. 7 million people that are uh, scattered within the Congo and we can amount to 450,000 women raped on a monthly basis, including by the peacekeeping mission that there, but nobody speaks about that. And uh, I've been vocal about it. I'm the voice of the voiceless. And that is the reason for which I speak for the dignity of the Congolese and the Congo people.
0: Interesting. We are still talking to Mr. Jean Boasa, a human rights activist, Congolese activist, for that matter, and is true to power. The topic is still failure of leadership in Africa, the Congolese perspective. Now, let me ask you this: You know, Congo, the very big country, is about the size of, uh my Eastland, or I mean, if you divide Europe into two, it's, it's Congo, uh, Congo Democratic Republic, about half the size of Europe. Now. Countries bordering Congo. I mean, from the north you have uh, Sudan, Central African Republic. You know, in the west you have the likes of Congo, Brazzaville. You know, and so on and so forth. You have Rwanda, Burundi, all bordering almost eight countries bordering Congo. But it does look like that there's a war, you know, that's brewing gently, clearly between Rwanda and Congo, and it's escalating gradually, but. There's really no attention on it can you tell us the origin of whatever is happening there the origin of that conflict because you have said and we have also read different places that the Rwandan government under kagame did help remove Mobutu. you understand and they feel that well maybe they have an interest in all that but i'm going to allow that i'm going to allow you coming through that now so you tell us what's happening between Congo Democratic Republic and Rwanda, and if there's any other conflict with any bordering African country, you know, of your your home country? Well, uh, thanks
1: for this question. Uh, I think uh, uh, we speak about the curse of Berlin, but I would speak now the curse of the mineral resources, so that we put things into perspective. Now, it would be uh, quite childish to say that uh, the conflict between Rwanda and the Congo started now. Okay. We must go back to what we call the colonization and I'll be brief on that. Okay. So in 1910, between 1910 and 19, 1910, Uh, we remember that Rwanda used to belong, I'm going to be a bit short, Rwanda was a German colony. And after that, it was, after the war, it was seized to Belgium, and it became the Rwanda Urundi, Rwanda Urundi Congo colony and the Belgium. Okay? So, in a sense, people from Rwanda, or Burundi could be taken from Rwanda and Burundi and brought into the Congo with the industrialization. And these occurred in 2010, where the first group of Rwandan people were brought into uh, Likasi in uh, Katanga, a mining province. So, for many years, in 1959, I'm jumping, 1959, we know that in Rwanda, we don't only have two tribes, but we have three tribes in Rwanda. We have the Hutu, we have the Tutsi, and we have the Twa. The Twa are the minority between these two big tribes, but even the two big tribes, the Hutu were more, numerous than the tutti and Abiarimana who was the president uh, was overthrown by kagame what we need to understand about kagame and this also taps on onto why the stronghold of imperialism is still there
0: we have uh, let me quickly let me interject you there you said uh kagame overthrew Yes because I think Abiarimana was uh, his plane was blown Abiarimana and the president of Burundi at that time were coming from Arusha to they came to drop Abiarimana at the airport in uh, in Kigali and the plane was blown I mean so are you saying that Kagame has something to do with that
1: Yes Kagame has something to do with that I'm not going to shy away from that
0: uh remember that before that Mobutu used to play... There's there's been some investigation. Has anybody, anything concrete from the UN, locally, internationally and all that pointed to that fact? I think it is very
1: important that you read the research that were done by Charles Onana, uh, Mm -hmm. a Cameroonian writer, um, by Judy River, uh, whom I think is a, a... she must be a Canadian writer as well. And um, Michelle Arong, Michela Michela who also wrote uh, lately another book on to the role that uh, uh, Paul Kagame has played and Yuri Museveni of Uganda, because we can't just dissociate the two. We must remember that Paul Kagame was in exile in uh, Uganda for many years. Uh, in the intelligence service in Uganda to to learn how to come and overthrow abyarimana and Mobutu played a big role in that to try to bring peace between abyarimana and uh, paul kagame it didn't work and that is the agenda but the agenda was not to overthrow um to overthrow uh abyarimana only it was how to come and take interest in the mineral resources of the Congo. Hence, today, we have uh, the Rwandan people, Tutsi people mainly, that are part of our government in uh, the Congo. You must remember, in 2003, 2002, there was what we call the inter Congolese dialogue that happened here in um, in uh, uh, in South Africa in Sun City and Pretoria which gave birth to what we call the one plus four the solution one plus four and within the solution one plus four government there was one president Joseph Kabila and a four vice president something that has never happened anywhere else in the world. And one of those vice uh, presidents, Roubaix Roy, is uh, of Rwandan Tutsi origin. And if I go through that, you will understand what is happening. He was in charge of the decentralization, how to delocalize, to decentralize the country. Hence, Congo, which had six provinces, when we got independence in 1960 became nine provinces then from nine provinces when Mobutu left he left us with 11 provinces three provinces in the eastern side of the Congo uh, South Kivu North Kivu and uh, Maniema, where there is prevalent conflict until today because that's where you find Uganda and uh, uh, Rwanda and Burundi at the, at the border, and a little bit of Uganda in the eastern side of province. So these four three countries have an eye, a glance on the mineral resources that are in the eastern side, and they want to take those mineral resources. You must know that the Coltan that we speak, that help us have this phones, have the, the laptop, have uh, many other instruments that we have comes from that eastern side, and those that are exploiting, extracting the coltan, are the Congolese children that I mentioned earlier on. Then it goes to Rwanda, and Rwanda is selling on behalf of uh, the Congo, getting the money. To build because when people speak about Rwanda they say what a beautiful country but at the expenses of the blood of the Congolese people so Paul Kagame has an end and we must understand he used to work he was trained in the US in Lenox uh, military academy and we know what, what are the interests of the US in the Congo for instance the uranium that was extracted in the Congo, put an end to the Second World War because the bomb that uh, was thrown onto uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima was uh, from the uranium that was extracted Mm -hmm. at the mine. That's the missing link in the end of the Second World War. And it is very important we raise those issues. And Congress participated, in a nutshell, to the four or five industrial revolutions, because when we had the will, the will, the the rubber was also exploited by uh, uh, King Leopold II, uh, so that it would feed the mining and the, the industry in Europe. And that is where all these African countries bordering, there are nine, African countries bordering uh, Congo, but those we have issues with and that have got hegemonic plans and ambitions for the Congo are mainly Rwanda and Uganda
0: and lately Kenya. Oh, wow. Interesting. But there's a lot of this stuff. In in Congo itself, because uh, are, you know, that you just saw the new president, uh just got in for a second time. I mean, an election that a lot of people think were not transparent, you know. Then the one that I even brought it in when Kabila left was also shrouded in a lot of misery. And uh it does look like uh, nothing really is working in that country. So let's look at solutions proper, you know. How does Congo get out of all this trouble in? Uh You've only had about five leaders. I mean, so before we even go to solution proper, let me let me put this to you. Out of between don't no, let's talk about Lumumba. I know you have yeah you you like him. He, he wasn't there for too long. So it, it might not be fair to judge him. The world respects him, even in death. So let's look at the four sub- succeeding presidents. I'm talking about a banker. very funny long name, yeah, but that's what his name is. Joseph Desire Kabila, his son the Junior Kabila, and recently Shyshaketi. Let's look at those four. Let's pick them one by one. Maybe spend a minute on each one. I mean, are you saying that none of these guys have done anything good for Congo? Because. We can blame colonialism, but the leadership at all these levels to have failed. Mobutu failed, they wrote for over 30 something years. Most of the money he stole that is in Switzerland has been confiscated, I know. Congo will never get those money, like Nigeria, that still get a bunch of money, you know? So, Mobutu, Joseph Kabila, father, Kabila's son, and Shishikere, has any of them done anything positive for Congo? Is there anything to celebrate, any achievement?
1: Thank you very much for this question. I love the question. I must come mm. really acknowledge that this is a great question uh, to, to let us see things into perspective. I think one of the greatest legacy that Mobutu would have left the Congolese people, Zairian at that time, and people are still regretting him now, was unity. Mm. I think that's the key important thing that Mobutu left to Congolese, where we feel proud of being Zairean or Congolese, unity. It could take a person from the north and put him as the premier or the governor of a province in the south and vice versa from east to west. Today I'm able to speak uh, my uh, African languages. I would, wanted to say vernacular languages, but I'm going to dissociate myself from that Lekoderm uh, uh, qualification. I'm able to speak my African languages, two of them, Kikongo and Lingala, but I'm able to understand uh, Swahili and Chuluba. And the reason is because those interrelation. Um, interconnectedness between the provinces, people coming from another province to your province, will enrich you to speak another language. So I think this is the, the most important legacy that Mobutu left. The second legacies, uh, legacy that he left for us is the pride of being a Congolese, or a Zairian at that time. Zairian were respected wherever they went. He was able to defend Zaire, and we must remember his speech in 1973 at the UN, which was important at that time when he said that Africa will not be independent unless countries such as uh, South Africa are not liberated. This was very important. And I think on Mobutu, I can just name those two, they are very important, not only the unity of the Congolese people, but the unity of Africans. He played a big role in Africa as a head of state. That one. When we reach to um, Laurent Desire Kabila, who was a nationalist, who used to work also with Patrice Emery Lumumba, I think it's all fair to say that when you want to overthrow somebody. You need to find allies. Unfortunately, he found bad allies. He should have found allies that were driven by human uh, rights solutions, but he found nihilotic and Tutti people to come and overthrow him. The thing that I would like to say, the legacy that uh, Laurent Desire Kabila left us, is. uh, the possibility for him to pay a civil servant $100 monthly, and it continues until today. Because during the time of Mobutu, civil servants were earning $20 a month. How can you survive with $20 a month? But with Kabila, he pushed to $100, and then you can. Uh, put it across for depending on your grade but the bottom line the last person in uh, working for as a civil servant was earning $100 so that on its own uh, was very important the second thing that uh, Laurent Désiré Kabila did it was for him to implement the food baskets which allowed Congolese people not to fight and struggle for basic needs. So everybody was able to find food and put food on the table, not like during Mobutu time where sometimes some families had to wait, the the children that are male would eat on Monday, and they had to drink water and so on and so forth. So this is, was very important because once you have eaten, as we say in Latin, primo manducare, secondo, philosophare. Once you have eaten, you are able to philosophize. You are able to think. But if 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 you've got an empty stomach, there's no way you're going to you're going to do something. So these are the legacies of uh, um, these are the legacies. Of Laurent Desire Kabila, when it comes to the second, the two other one, the two other people, if there is something they left us as legacy, I would say is resilience. <laughs> resilience, both Joseph Kabila and Felix Tshisekedi, where a person is able. To understand the challenges that faces him, and to learn how to swim against the odds, and be courageous and brave to stand and defend his rights. Because if you've got everything, there's no way you're going to work. Away. You're going to walk your way. So, hence, people like us, like myself, that's the only way. We were able to find the purpose of our life. What is my purpose on this this planet Earth? So the purpose is a calling to defend those that are less vulnerable. And there are many like me that are day and night trying to find a way to salvage human life, the dignity of a Congolese people, if that's a legacy that the only one,
0: will be quitters interesting so let's look at solution i mean we're running out of time so but it don't matter i know because here at Discord, we always try to look for solutions from your viewpoint from where you see from your angle on the prison where you see the congolese uh situation what do you think is the way out do you think congo is too big to be a country It's, it's quite big what do you think is the solution? Do you think it should be balkanized? Do you think you need a new constitution? You know, I mean, clearly the failure of leadership in be Congo because even based on what you've said so far, what Mobutu has done uh, yeah, unity and pride to the people, but it destroyed the economy. You know, it plundered the country. I don't know anybody that's stolen so much, as much as uh, Mobutu, possibly maybe Abacha Negea, but Mobutu really plundered. I mean, there's empirical evidence to guide that. And... That <laughs> Kabila, too, as well, we know how he died. He wasn't really a good administrator at all. I follow Congolese politics very well. So, his son maybe was a bit refined, but between him and Shishakedi, too, you know, nothing is really happening. You know, it just shows that Shishakedi might have some administrative know how, but Congo is clearly not where it should be. It's crawling, and things are not going well. What do you think is the way out?
1: Okay. Um, thanks very much Ade, uh, in one of the pro- the, the things and most of my writing are not yet edit, published or edited because I'm trying to put a collection together and uh, what I'm saying is this, the solution is simple, first of all they must bring back either six provinces or nine provinces or eleven provinces.
0: How many provinces do you
1: have now? we now 26 provinces oh, wow. so, so you believe
0: that you reduce it to six
1: to six as we got our independence that would be mm-hmm. uh, better but if not because as you are alluding to uh, congo is too big then it should be nine provinces so that within the nine provinces what we're going to bring We're going to bring back the unity that we had during Mobutu time.
0: What would be the name of these nine provinces, if you can quickly tell our viewers? May you repeat your question? The nine provinces, the nine territories, what would be their name? Are you talking Oriental, Katanga? What are the names of the likely nine? Nine. Uh, Katanga, Oriental province, Kivu,
1: Bandundu, um, Equator, and
0: kasai kasai okay those are because from what i've read those are very old names and provinces so okay but now they've broken it down to 26. okay go ahead with your solution hmm.
1: so now once we bring those provinces in nine then we go at the local level because what we're trying to do every single time is finding a leadership from the top down level the solution should be local to empower the chiefs of the villages, the chiefs of the community and go upwards until that democratic level from one street to the other so that these unity are from the street. People will believe that they are their brothers hence, they are not going to kill each other. This is a nutshell in terms of interconnectedness at the level of the society. Now, from the government, my request will be, whether they were elected as they were now, but it is time for them to call for inter Congolese dialogue number two. dialogue number two. In fact, it is not number two, it is number three, because even during Mobutu time, He also called the gathering of the Zion people in 1992. So once you call the inter congolese dialogue number three, there should be a commission. And this happens even in the United States where you would have a think tank of thinkers that would be in a commission to actually leverage the causes of our failure and the solution. You leave them in a space, you give them the means. And once they come out of that symposium, they must provide short-term, medium-term and long-term solutions. I don't believe in a blanket approach in anything that we do. My sense, has always been the step-by-step solution. In the same way, a child start walking, will make one step, fall, make one step, fall, mm-hmm. two steps, three steps, and then he's learning from his mistakes. Mm-hmm. So that second approach for me would be key to bring social cohesion in the Congo that is disintegrating. As you are alluding to now, because the division now is the Kasai people that speak Chiluba. And fortunately, I always give this example. My wife, for instance, is from Kasai. She's a Muluba. She's from this, she speaks the same language with uh, Mr. Felix Chisekedi. So, if we were to balkanize the country, as many people are saying, are we telling me that I'm going to take my children? And divide them in two so that one would go into casa. a portion of each of my children would go to Kasai and one would remain to Band- in Bandundu. And myself, I'm, I'm from two tribes. And my wife was born in Katanga, so she speaks Swahili. So this is really insane. That's why I'm saying, very importantly, we create those channels where people are going to talk to one another. So that we will find the island of uh, sanity within the Congo and within Africa.
0: Interesting. Thank you very much Mr. Jobasa. Before we go, I'm going to shoot you straight two more questions, you know. Now, if this dialogue takes place, if President Shichekedi calls for this dialogue, will you go home and attend? I know in Nigeria we call it conference, Conference Sovereign National Conference. You know, there are different names for different countries, but you call it uh, International Dialogue Three or you know, Inter-Congolese Dialogue Two or Three. You said two have taken place in the class. So will you go home? I mean, if if you are if you're invited to attend the dialogue.
1: Well, my brother Adé, I think there are some Mm-mm. of the uh, things that we need to put in perspective, including now. I'm sure he has made that call to the, the opposition leader, but mm-hmm. the opposition leader between inverted comma for me, because they are not the opposition leader, they still belong to the bourgeoisie compradore. Uh, a guy like uh, Moise uh, Katumbi embezzled the founder of the province of Katanga and he want to become the President of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. But that's another debate. But to respond to your question uh, straightforward, yes, I will go. But I will ensure that I put measures in place because my life has been a danger. I've uh, risked my life several times. Mm. I've uh, escaped in poisoning. I've escaped uh, bombing. So I will ensure that once that di- inter-Kongolist dialogue is convened, my security is, is also assured.
0: That's the bottom line. Thank you. Will, well, that's my... You attend. I like that. That's a very patriotic gesture. So, do you, will you run for politics? Will you take part in politics in the future? Possibly run for president of Congo in the future?
1: Well, if uh, an individual like Chisekedi became president. Mm. Why wouldn't I become a president of the Democratic Republic of the Congo? (laughs) But put things into perspective as well, I think we put too much accent and emphasis on the the position. The position Mm. should be leading us. And to quote a great philosopher, South African philosopher, uh, philosopher, Robert Mangaliso Sobukwe, he says, true leadership, requires self-subjugation of oneself. True leadership requires self-subjugation of oneself. I can tell you from insight, in this country, you would listen that I was a spokesperson of the Congolese community by simple actions, simple deeds. I'm walking and a Congolese people died many days ago and nobody's finding a solution. And then I'm just passing by and the guy are saying, hey, this is our leader. And I said, what? what's happening? And the South African people, they've got the letter, I've got it home. They say, this guy died many days ago. We can't bury him. We went to the embassy. There's no solution. I, t- with that out of the blue, I took the letters and organized, and I buried the guy. A second example would be when Kabila, his last visit here, in uh, in, um, in South Africa, 2017, 25th June. We said we're going to protest about his arrival. We're going there. These crowd come the day of Kabila's uh, arrival, I pitched there. Early in the morning, I was alone. After a few hours, we were only 10, and I had to take a bold stand and ask, uh, the then President Zuma and say Malume Malume means uncle, please do not allow this guy to walk on the red carpet and he never walked on the red carpet. 2016, wow. 2016 there was a protest at the embassy. They claimed that a gun was uh, stolen from uh, the police. I had to stand and say no gun was stolen by the police. And I defended the people. They arrested people, and I had to be there and ensure that none of the Congolese would be deported during all the mass arrest of the Congolese in South Africa, which makes me today a person non grata. But I'm still hopeful that humanity, ubuntu that we call, will come back to the mind of those of those who are. Leading us, I do respect them because the creation and and I'm going to end there to conclude there. The kemetic teaching tells us speak, act, and live righteously, which is the summary of the 22 principles of Mark's teaching. So if we were all To respect our little garden. A day, you respect your little garden. Ade Tunju respect his little garden. We would not be falling into the blindness that we have succumbed to for the past 60 years since the times we got our independence. And we would all leverage not only the freedom of expression, but also the dignity and the emancipation of each and African child. That is my call to all the African president. That is my call to all the leaders of the world, not to fall into blindness of greediness when one person of this universe are leading people into scarcity and asking them to beg for their own lives. Thank you very much for your Opportunity, the opportunity you have offered me today to explore life.
0: Thank you very much, Jean Boassa, the humanist, the activist, the educator. Congolese-born Boassa lives in jobo South Africa. He is very passionate about his country. You can see he has spoken like a patriot, a Congolese patriot. He has spoken like a true leader of his people. He is the recognized leader of uh, Congolese people in South Africa. He has said it. They the need to have the thought Congolese dialogue. The people have to judge, they have to talk. You know, Congo has been plundered. They've been suffering for over 60 years. They've never enjoyed good leadership. It is most unfair, you know. I mean, this is all across Africa. You know, it's almost impossible to find one stable country but we've seen some semblance of, or some flashes of good leadership in Tanzania, Namibia, Botswana. But it has to be everywhere, you know. Nigeria, my own country, is also very, very behind schedule. We find it very hard to organize election, especially when we spend so much money, humongous <laughs> amount of money on this. Congo is probably worse than Nigeria because there's never been stability. Nigeria. Has enjoyed some stability under Shagari, under Obasanjo, at the state, at the state Nigeria paid up all his debt. But Congo has just been ravaged with war and death. And according to Boasa, according to no statistics, people are dying every day. Congolese refugees are all over the continent. They're in South Africa. Nobody cares about them. So we're going to call it a wrap. John Boasa, thank you for coming to Atlanta to Discuss. I'm sure you will be back again when we have another major discourse because right now you're not just a Congolese patriot; you're an expert on African politics. I've read your resume, I've read a lot of things you have written. Personally, I'm proud of you. In Atlanta discourse, you are now our friend, in-house, and we always call you again. And to all our listeners in the seven continents of the world, thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for your consistency. God bless you. jean Boasa. thank you. And to you. See you next week with another very interesting topic. Bye. Thank you. Thank much. you. Bless you too. Thank you.